Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your host, Shay Pate. Well, as you know, we're always trying to do a podcast that can relate to the everyday person and find ways that we can improve our community. Now, my next guest is actually the ideal person to be on this interview because everything about her represents our organization. For example, we are ladies, which she is a lady, and we're promoting transparent advocacy. Well, she's on the show today. She's going to not only be promoting something that we want to get the audience engaged in, but she's going to be very transparent and she has always been an advocate for positive change. So she is definitely the the ideal candidate to be interviewed for an organization called Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy. So with that being said, I would like to have my guest introduce herself. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Wow, that is so amazing. And I want to let the listeners know, not only are you an amazing nurse, you come from a mother who also was in the field. So you had an example of what a good nurse should be. And I'm really proud of you. One of the things... One of the things that you're doing that I want the listeners to know about, even after the time period that you're going to mention expand, uh, expires, I want them to still be aware of a nonprofit organization that you, I would like for you to talk about. And I want people to know that even after the time period of what you're about to give for the community give back, um, will people still past that time period be able to donate for, to your organization? So, yes, definitely. Um, the organization nonprofit is called In My Nursing Voice. And so what we do is inspire, educate, and strengthen the community through um, different gift bags and educational seminars or webinars, handouts, and things like that that we can Right now, we have a grab and go, which is a community outreach gift bag. Collection dates are um, August 3rd to September 10th, and those donations can be made um, through drop-offs at Brady Memorial Hospital or monetary donation through our cash app in my nursing voice. Um, any donation can be made through the cash app as well as reaching out to us on Instagram at In My Nursing Voice. We will have different upcoming events. We're working on a um, community giving 
which will be a Thanksgiving for the community where people can come in, eat, and fellowship together, given the guidelines of COVID. So all these future things that you're talking about can be found on your Instagram page? Yes. On the Instagram, the Instagram is in my nursing voice. Wow. I love the title. The title in itself says a lot because you guys as nurses with this pandemic going on are like frontline workers to the fullest. And the fact that you thought that it was in your interest right now to give back when we're trying to give to you guys is like phenomenal. So let me just say this for all those listening. Bravo, bravo. I think this is an amazing thing. And a lot of people really don't know that much about Grady Hospital and how phenomenal their trauma center and their doctors are some of the best in the entire world. And I know I didn't tell you that I was going to ask you this question. So if you don't feel like it or you don't know the answer, I'm okay with it. But is there anything you can tell listeners who are totally unaware of Grady Hospital, things that you would like them to know how important and special this hospital is? Yes, so we are um, a level one trauma center. And we take anything from car accidents to um, someone in need to be flown over due to a heart attack in a hospital don't have the proper equipment. Currently, we have partnered with the Georgia World Congress Center, and because of the spike and the increase with COVID patients, we have um, beds over there where we're able to still provide care, and we don't have to turn anyone away from the hospital, um, whether it's COVID-related, um, car accident-related, or just medical attention that they need severely and most importantly at that time. So we are doing a lot of things right now to make sure that the community can sustain healthy as well as us on the front lines are able to remain healthy. So um, extra COVID testing will be provided um, shortly. They'll be announcing the new locations that will be opening up. They've partnered with the location also near the airport where they'll be able to start testing at least 5,000 people a day just so everyone can know their status and just make sure they're in the clear. And if they do test positive, where their resources is and where they can go to seek medical attention. Wow. So you're saying that the, you guys are going to be at the airport testing people? Well, Brady has they've partnered with different um, communities and um, centers. So um, what they're doing is doing like a mass hiring to make sure that we have enough staff to provide the COVID swab testing and also that we can staff the Georgia World Congress Center. We've started transitioning um, patients over there in order for them to seek care. Um, again, Grady not only sees just your car accident people, but we have a huge stroke center. So we do have uh, an enormous amount of patients that come in for stroke symptoms or actively had a stroke, patients that come in with heart failure, patients that come in from car accidents, burns, um, and things like that. And we also have an in-house site. Um, floor. So we deal with a lot and they don't want to turn those patients away 
due to the virus. They want to make sure that they're as safe as possible and their health isn't in jeopardy um, in regards to the virus. So we're kind of separating those who have the virus and are symptomatic away from the critically ill. Because again, those are the ones that are potentially dying from the virus at the moment. Wow, you guys seem like you have an amazing plan because I'm going to speak for myself. I don't even want to go near a hospital because I'm so afraid. And I know you haven't heard. I mean, I know I'm not the first person that said this to you. Yes, I walk in the store sometimes afterwards um, for my uniform on and people side by me. And I'm like, uh, it's okay. I mean, I get it. It's, it's okay to be afraid and not know. Um, but the more that one is educated and the more that one knows about the virus and how to protect themselves and others, it's better for the community. And as things go by, it's always going to be a trial and error. We're not exactly sure about the virus and different ways that it affects everyone. Everyone does not present the same. So it's still a learning curve for us, and that's one thing that I love about nursing. You're always learning. There's not a day that go by and one thing stays the same about the disease process or the medication stays the same or the treatment stays the same. It's just based on that particular patient and how their body perceives everything. So since there are, and you know, in Georgia, our numbers are like going up, 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 and I personally have witnessed a lot of people not wearing masks, even as of today. So I was wondering, is there any advice you can give the community to try to help us bring down the numbers and to stay safe? Because I think a lot of people are really not believing that this is real. Um. One, definitely wear the mask at all times unless you have um, a respiratory illness that just prevents you from wearing the mask. Those that may be on oxygen, they can only wear the mask slightly up to their nose just because they don't want to set anything off with their oxygen or those who already have asthma, bronchitis, and things like that. COPD, they already have trouble breathing. So, of course, those you won't see wearing the mask fully over their nose, but they should wear the mask going out in any public facility, whether they're going to the corner store, grocery store, um, just to pick up a few items. That's very, very important. Um, wash your hands at any given time if you don't have hand sanitizer readily available. Soap and water does the job even better. Wash your hands as often as you can. Don't touch your face with dirty hands at all. Um, the virus is, takes about two to 14 days before someone starts to actually develop symptoms. So you may be in the clear today, um, but not knowing that you probably came in contact with someone at the grocery store when you went the night before. But because you're in the clear for your first couple of days does not mean that you won't test positive. Um, it takes a while for the viral load to register in the body. And so once you get that first COVID swab, you may test negative. But if you go back and you start developing symptoms within those 14 days, that means the virus has incubated into the system and it has planted its base. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Because everybody that you see on TV talk about how painful the test is. I guess it depends on your pain level. So is it a swab that they stick 
like way in the back of your nose or something? <laughs> so the swab, um, I've had it done twice. And I wouldn't really say painful, but it is very, very uncomfortable. To me, it feels like a long sneeze that you cannot get out of. You know, once you can't get that sneeze out, it burns in your nostrils. So after you get the swab done, how do you feel afterwards? Are you okay or do you go blow your nose? Or I'm just kind of curious of what the process is. Um, depending on where you go, you can either blow your nose before that limit you having to really blow it after, or you can blow it after um, to kind of clear what you're feeling. Your eyes are water some after you get the test, um, but you'll be perfectly okay. I've had a lot of people say, oh, it wasn't that bad as I thought it was going to be. And, oh, people exaggerate and things like that. So the only way for you to actually know is if you've had it done before or if you go get tested um, for it. I do encourage everyone to at least get one test um, just so they could be in the clear and they can know their status of whether they're COVID positive, COVID negative. I've had people who had the blood test for antibodies and they tested positive for the antibodies they have never been sick. So their body was strong enough to fight the virus off whenever they had it and they didn't even know they had it. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I heard them talking about antibodies. So there's two different type of tests. There's one to what, see if you have what's inside your body that you can get COVID. Can you explain the antibody test or what the purpose of that is so people like me who have no idea will understand the difference? Mm -hmm. So the antibody test is a blood test that they do. They'll draw blood from you to see if your body has the antibodies for the virus. And so with antibodies, are, um, they're just part of your immune system that kind of circulates in your blood to let your body know that you've had this virus and now if you ever get it again, your body has some type of defense mechanism to go against it. So it's kind of like our vaccines that we get or get as a child. Um, we're kind of giving ourselves whatever it is we're trying to fight off so the body can build up a defense for it if we were ever to come in contact with someone for it. So for instance, uh, the flu vaccine that we get. We get the flu vaccine in efforts that if we come into contact with that strand of the flu that they gave to us in the vaccine, our body has developed this way of fighting it off um, by itself without really needing any treatment or going inside the hospital to seek any medical attention. So the antibodies are your best friend in your body. They're your warriors. They're your soldiers. So when you get tested for the antibodies and they say that it came back positive, what's the treatment or, or is there a, um, a where you put yourself like 
segregated from the rest of the family or you know they say with COVID you got to kind of stay away from people for 14 days is there some type of restriction if you find out you tested positive for the antibodies not with the antibodies only if you test positive from the actual swab that means you actively have the virus live in your system the antibodies just prove to us that you had it before you fought it off now you will Unless you have symptoms, um, and the symptoms are ranging in different categories. Um, one may never develop a fever, but they may have nausea, vomiting. Or one may have a fever along with no taste or smell. So everybody presents different. Um, it's just best to know what symptoms to look for. But if you're not symptomatic, your antibodies come back positive. That just means your body did a great job with fighting off the virus whenever you came in contact with it and you had it. So you don't have to quarantine um, with the antibodies come back positive. But you do have to quarantine if you come back positive with the actual swab. Wow. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of ladies probably would want to know. If you're going through the change <laughs> and you're having hot flashes and it really isn't the cold fit, <laughs> how do you not freak out? I'm sure, I mean, have you have you guys had people come in and say they had a fever and then you found out it was just they're going through menopause? So definitely we've had that. <laughs> So to me, it's better safe than sorry. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer. Everybody's going to freak out. Um, it's best that I feel sorry for my people that had allergies when it first kicked off. Right. Those symptoms were kind of the same. They didn't know if they was their allergies or were they COVID. <laughs> no, they were freaking out. Um, me too. I just didn't tell you. already having medical conditions such as um, heart trouble so they may be going through the changes and so because they're panicking their anxiety level is up they've been triggered their heart to skip a bead and do all kinds of crazy things so they come in and it's just more of a mind state so if you know that you've been doing all you can to protect yourself wearing your mask washing your hands not touching your face covering your cough or sneeze, staying away from those who are sick, you're in the clear. If you do spike a fever that does not break over a 24 to 48 hour time span with Tylenol or um, Motrin for kids, I suggest seeking medical attention in the emergency room. Um, just to be on the safe side to make sure you don't have it and that you're not spreading it to others because those who don't have symptoms are the ones that are actually spreading it because they think they're in the clear and they're actually not, but they don't know their status. Wow. Okay, now before we close out, I do have to ask this question. Do you know of any cases of children catching the virus? Because you keep hearing, oh, well, kids under 10, they're fine. Kids between 10 and 15, they're, they're like adults. Then you hear kids can't catch it at all. 
Can you tell the listeners, have you had any or seen or heard of any cases where kids are catching it? I haven't had any toddlers um, or infants that I know of, um, but I have had cases where the child is 14, 15, 16, um, they went to a party or family function or something like that, um, and they came back and they tested positive. A few of them were strongly symptomatic. They were hospitalized. Wow. And some of them, they were okay. They responded well to just the Tylenol um, to break their fever. Their cough responded well to the cough syrup that was recommended, as well as the antibiotics. So it just depends. But personally, I haven't seen any babies or toddlers or anything like that or heard of any cases. I do know that they will present very, very differently from the adult population. So sad to say, and it may sound a little bad, but it will be justice to us to find a child that probably came in contact with COVID and was severely sick just so we can know what we're looking for and how to start treating them if we do get a rise in cases versus we have a rise in cases and we've never seen this present itself before and we're clueless. So right now, Grady Hospital, how are you guys holding up as far as the ICU unit, the beds available? Are you guys okay? Because I know a lot of the country has hospitals where not only are they packed, they're sending patients to different cities because they can't um, treat the patients that are coming in. How is Grady Hospital doing right now? So we're actually doing great. Um, I'm a med surge nurse, but they normally send out assistance um, of ideally COVID-positive patients pending results. We don't have a delay with care, we're only shipping them to the Georgia World Congress Center just to kind of protect the rest of the population. But we're not short on any PPE or any equipment at the moment, which is a good thing. Um, and the hospital overall is holding up. One thing I can say about Grady is they do act as a family. So no man is left behind, no nurse is left behind, no tech is left behind. Um, EDS staff, whatever department you work in, everyone is covered and watches your back. Um, you get patients that are waiting for results, and so we place them as a PUI, which means patient under investigation. Uh, and so that kind of gives us time to get their results, one, protect ourselves and other patients. So we are geared up anytime we have to go in their room. Um, the nurses pretty much take a big chunk of care, whether it's to deliver them their tray or something like that, just to kind of reserve some of the PPE that's needed. Um, we have strategies and plans in place of how to care for these patients, who's limited to going to the room. Right now, there's no visitation inside the hospital. So we've kind of been doing very good on that end as far as our ICU status, and we haven't had many that has to go inside the ICU due to the actual virus. Wow. Well, I want to say bravo to you, and I do have to get a disclaimer that I know you outside of this. You're my daughter from another mother, <laughs> a.k.a. niece. <laughs> 
And I just want to say thank you so, so much for taking time out. I know you've been having an extremely busy schedule, so this means a lot to me. And before we close out, I would like for you to once again talk about your nonprofit organization, talk about how they can get in touch with you through Instagram, and donations can be sent to Grady Hospital if you could give the address, and also how they can give monetary donations via your cash app. Would you do that for me, please? Sure. So the nonprofit organization is called N, and that's the letter N, M-I-M-Y, sorry, Nursing Voice on Instagram. Um, Drop-off donations can be made at Grady Hospital, and I'm normally there Monday through Sunday, <laughs> literally. So anytime is good, you can just send us a message on Instagram just letting us know, hey, we want to go ahead and make a donation at this time or this day. The address to Grady Hospital is 80 Jesse Hill Jr. Drive, and that's Atlanta, Georgia, 30303. Anyone that's familiar with the Edgewood area, we're right there on the corner, or the Curve Market, we're right there at the next corner. The collection date for the grabbing goal is August 3rd to September 10th. Monetary donations can be made through the cash app, the letter N, My Nursing Voice. Um, and yes, so items that we're collecting is just like your toothbrush, toothpaste, Kleenex, soap, deodorant, face towels, wipes, um, any type of wipes. It could be baby wipes or their little hand sanitizer wipes. Anything that you can find, we just want to make sure that the community who's less fortunate to buy these things still have the essentials to make sure that their health and well-being is safe and not in jeopardy. Great. Well, I want to thank you again, Sherelle Collins, for calling in to the Shea Pate podcast. And we are definitely looking forward to being able to help your organization. So, listeners, you got it. So, make sure you reach out to... Sherelle's organization and have donations sent to her cash app and we will keep you posted on what her organization is doing in a future podcast. Thank you for listening. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your host, Shay Pate, and please follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. And that's capital A, capital L. Or if you want to send me an email, send me an email to podcasthostshapete19 at gmail.com. And if you're interested in the organization, please send us an email at ladiespromotingtransparentadvo at gmail.com. And if you want to call into the show, please call us at 404 855 Two, three, and you know I like to always end my show with a question, which is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.